Good morning and welcome to worship at First Church on this first Sunday in Advent. Several announcements before we get started. I've been asked to clarify one notice of a death of Lewis and Geraldine Schmidt. Lewis was the son of a former member of our congregation, Clarence Schmidt. Also today, following the church service, you are all invited to stay and help us decorate the church for the upcoming holiday season. I've been told many hands make short work. And also along with that, Pastor Joel's Bible study Sunday school class, which is normally held following the service over in the ministry center, will not, will not meet today, but they will meet next Saturday or next Sunday again. And also the Christian Women's Outreach Program or group has purchased poinsettias that are to be delivered to the shut-ins in our congregation. Anybody interested in delivering them, they will be on the white table in the heritage room shortly, and there will be a list there of the recipients. And when you pick one up, you're asked to cross off that name of the recipient that you're picking it up for. There are other announcements in your bulletin with times of Christmas parties and all kinds of stuff in this holiday season. Please take the time to look them over. And now if you'll please stand and join me in our call to worship this morning. The mighty God summons the earth from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets. Our God comes and will not be silent. God calls and we respond to his love. The heavens declare God's righteousness. We tell out God's glories. Offer up to God your thanksgiving. And our God will hear us, save us, and stay with us forever. Our opening hymn this morning is taken from the blue hymnal. Number 123, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel.
be seated. This morning we welcome Jake Bredigan and Tori Russell to light our Advent candle. Today is the beginning of Advent, the time we prepare to celebrate Christ's birth. We are here because God's promises to our ancestors came true when Jesus was born. God continues to keep his promise through the presence of his Holy Spirit. God will keep the promise to come again in glory. Isaiah 9 verse 2 says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. We light this candle to proclaim the coming of the light of God into the world. With the coming of this light, there is hope. Because of Christ, we not only have hope for this life, but also for life eternal. Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you that Jesus brought hope into our world. You still bring hope to people through the promise of your word. Help us to be ready to welcome Jesus Christ so that we may think good thoughts and do good deeds, so that we may be a people of hope in our world. Amen. As the children come forward for the children's chat. My goodness, look at all these people. You guys all around here for uh, Thanksgiving or something? Huh? You might have to share in your families. This usually is what happens. Huh? Oh, how many more we have? Oh, you know, I think I had maybe have just the right amount. Who doesn't have one yet? Oh, can you share in your family, maybe? Huh? Look at that. Oh, empty. Ring them. Ring them. Oh, come on. Ring them. When you hear bells ring, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah? Christmas. What makes you happy about Christmas? You like to sing. Wonderful. You know, now put that bell in your hand. In your hand, like that. Wrap your hand around it. Now now ring them. Oh, what happened? I don't hear any bells ringing. What's happening? What's inside that bell that makes it ring? A ball. Awesome. And you know that ball is just like us. Because if that's like the love of Jesus inside of us, and when we are happy, we will ring joy. Do you ever think of it that way? So sometimes when we get all bogged down with cooking or shopping or waiting for Christmas and we get all kind of grumpy, how do you think we sound? 
like we've got our bell in our hand and we can't hear it. But if we think about Jesus' birthday coming, tell me how you sing. Huh? How do you ring? Ring loud. And the thing is, Jesus is going to come again. So let's be the bells that ring loud to talk about Jesus who has come and who's coming again as we get ready for Christmas. Let us say a quick prayer. Dear Lord, help us to clearly ring out the good news that Jesus is born. Amen. Thank you. Keep in mind the family and friends of one of our servicemen killed this week in northern Syria working with the Kurds in opposition to ISIL. Senior Chief Petty Officer Scott C. Dayton, 42, from Woodbridge, Virginia, who was attached to the Explosive Ordnance Disposal Mobile Unit 2 from Virginia Beach, Virginia. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are so grateful for this time of year. Uh, As we begin Advent season, we're reminded of the hope that you bring uh, to this world and to each of our lives. Lord, that hope is such an important thing to hold on to because uh, we're we're currently living in this in-between time. You have come and you've you've sacrificed yourself on the cross on our behalf. You offer us new life and your Holy Spirit is here living with us. But yet we are still looking forward to your coming again. Um, and as, as we live in this in-between time, we recognize that there is still pain and hurt and hardship and suffering. And so, uh, Lord, as we re- are reminded of those who have given their lives to protect us, as we look at our list that's before us of our own friends and family who are, who are struggling with health issues or other, other uh, concerns, Lord, uh, we're reminded of the reality of sin in our world and, and the and the consequences of that and the effects of that uh, are still very real to us. Uh, so, Lord, as we look forward, as we, as we remember your birth, as we remember your, your coming into this world in order to be our Savior, uh, and as we look forward to your coming again to, to finally put sin and death in its place, uh, we're reminded, Lord, uh, that we still can look to you for hope and can hold on to that hope that we have in you. Uh, that promise that you will right all of these wrongs, that you are a God who cares and loves for each one of his children. And I pray, Lord, that you would be a comfort to those who are mourning, be a, be a source of strength to those who are weak. And Lord, for all of us, I pray that we would be able to fix our eyes on you, no matter what uh, is going on in our lives or no matter what hardships we face. Lord, I pray that during this Advent season, uh, during this time of year especially, we'd be able to remember that. Put aside all the other distractions and all the other things that sometimes get in our way and focus our eyes on you. Uh, Lord, help us to do that this day and always. We pray all these things in the name of Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
At this time, I invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward. Uh, the, the offering today is going to go to continue to help support Shannon Rediger on her mission trip around the world as she begins uh, just next month, I believe. So thank you for your continued support of these ministries. Before we uh, jump into the sermon today, I'd just like to take a moment and just uh, continue that theme of Thanksgiving for just, I guess, one more day uh, and just 
express uh, Allie and I's gratitude and our thanksgiving to, to be a part of this church and this community. Um, it's been about four months now since uh, we moved here and, and have uh, begun to, to minister alongside you in New Knoxville, and we're just so grateful to be here and to be a part of, uh, to be a part of this church. Uh, we've felt very welcomed um, by all of you, and, and we are just so glad to be a part of this community, and it just feels, it already feels like home for us, which is, uh, it, says, it says a lot, you know, it's, uh, we're very grateful for that, and we just wanted to express our thanks to you to help, uh, helping us to feel welcome and to feel part of this community and part of this church. Uh, as, we, as we begin our Advent season, uh, we're reminded of of family a lot and, and reminded of home. And so um, we're just we're just glad to be here and to, to have that uh, acceptance uh, on your part, I guess. I just wanted to take a moment and to, to thank you for that um, and thank you for all you've done to, to help us to feel welcome. Uh, let's let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for all that you you continue to do for us. Uh, you are a God who takes care of every one of our needs, and we are thankful for that. Um, I pray now that you would look, uh, look upon us uh, with mercy and grace as we begin this Advent season together. Help us to keep our eyes focused on you, Lord. Um, it can be so easy to be distracted by everything else that goes on, all the preparations that need to be made for, for the holidays. And uh, Lord, help us through all of that to keep our eyes on you. I pray that this time we can set aside to focus on you, I pray you would uh, give, us, give me words to speak, and you'd open up our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. It's in Christ that we pray. Amen. So as we begin Advent today, I think it's important for us to just start, uh, start at the very basics. Uh, what is Advent? What is this all about? Um, some of you may come, I, I know many of you grew up right here in this church and have been a part of this church for a long time. And, and I think, I believe in the past, you know, Advent has been a, a, a time of year to, that we've focused on the themes and the traditional themes of that, which is great. Uh, some of you may come from churches and traditions that don't focus on Advent specifically in that way. Um, and so I thought I'd take a moment and do that. Um, I come from a background that we didn't, you know, of course we celebrated Christmas and talked about all the themes. We didn't necessarily throw the word Advent around and talk about that specific term and that specific time on the church calendar. Uh, and so Advent is simply a word that means coming or arrival. And it's the time of year that we celebrate Jesus's arrival uh, and anticipate the arrival of Jesus Christ at Christmas. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a time that's just packed with anticipation and excitement. Uh, I can think of, uh, you know, in Allie and I's life, a time that was just filled with excitement was when Josephine was uh, about to be born. Um, and Advent kind of has that same sort of excitement along with it. You know, when Josephine, when, when Allie was pregnant with Josephine, there was just all sorts of excitement in the air. You know, we were about to enter a new stage of our life that we had no idea what to expect, right? <laughs> we had, we had, you know, an idea of what was coming and, and, but nobody can really prepare you for it. Uh, and there was just a lot of excitement, right? There were baby showers and parties and people were giving us gifts and, and kind of giving us advice whether we wanted it or not and all sorts of stuff. Uh, but it was an, it was an exciting time. We knew that there was something momentous that was about to happen. Something significant was about to take place, and, and our lives would not be the same ever again. Uh, Advent kind of has that same sort of uh, anticipation in our faith and our uh, same sort of significance in the, in the life of the church. It's a time where we celebrate this momentous event of Jesus' birth and his arrival. And it's, a, it's something that is significant because the coming of Christ meant that this world would never be the same again. 
Just as when Josephine was born, our lives changed forever. The coming and the arrival of Jesus Christ here in this world meant this, this world would never be the same. That God's plan of salvation was, was coming to fruition and, and, and the old covenant would, be, would pass away and the new covenant was, was arriving. And so it's a time of year that we celebrate that. Advent's actually the beginning of the church calendar. So if you're, if you're interested in those sorts of things, I guess I can tell you Happy New Year. Today is the beginning of, of the new year of the church calendar. Uh, and, and so it's a time to, it's, it's a time of fresh and new, new things as well. So Advent, in a way, is we, we're remembering Jesus' birth and his arrival at Christmas, uh, some 2,000 years ago. But it's also a time that we look forward to his second coming. So we're looking back and remembering what Christ has done for us and what his birth meant for us in our salvation and us in our relationship with God. But we also look forward to what it means when Christ will come again. As I mentioned in my prayer, we're kind of stuck in this in-between time. We can look back and celebrate what God has already done for us in the person of Jesus Christ and what, what that means for us today. Uh, but we also have that opportunity to look forward and, and think about what it means that Christ will come again. And so there's a, a lot of that anticipation and a lot of that, uh, well, our word for today is hope, a lot of hope that's tied into that. There's four themes that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks as we lead up to Christmas Day. Uh, these are the traditional themes of Advent. Um, some churches uh, focus on these words or they use other scripture passages, but we'll be focusing over the next four weeks on hope, joy, peace, and love. The four themes of uh, traditional themes of Advent. And so today we're going to be looking at hope. What does hope mean? What, is, what does it mean for us as God's people to have hope? And how does that impact our lives? And how does, it, how does that fit into God's story throughout Scripture? Hope is the expectation of, of, some fut- excuse me, of the future attainment of a desired outcome. So it's this expectation that something is about to happen. And it's often associated with trust in God, trust in his word, trust in his character and his promises. See, when we talk about hope in the the Christian sense, when we talk about the hope that we have in the Lord, it's not just wishful thinking. I think a lot of us, sometimes we think of hope as, as simply just this idea of we hope something will happen. We hope some event will take place, but there's no guarantee or promise that it ever will. It's simply just a wishful, wishful thought. You know, growing up in western New York, I'm a lifelong Buffalo Bills fan. And my hope is that someday they will win the Super Bowl. But that is far from guaranteed, <laughs> right? Some of you may be Cleveland Brown fans and be thinking the same thing. Right? The, the, we, I would love for it to happen. It would be fantastic. And I hope that one day it will. But there's no promise, there's no guarantee that it ever will. And by all indications, it's a long time coming before it does. You know, I think of, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of fantasy football as well. You know, my, my hope is that my fantasy football team will win the league championship, but it's sitting at two and nine so far this year. It's probably not going to happen, right? It's just wishful thinking at that point. But the hope that we're talking about when we are talking about our hope in the Lord is different than that. It's not just wishful thinking. It's a deep and confident trust in God, in his character, and in his promises, the, the Old Testament, especially in the Psalms, talks about this idea of waiting on the Lord, waiting on him. And, and that's this hope and this expectation that that God will fulfill the promises that he makes in Scripture. And so so hope is often associated with waiting on him. 
Not waiting in the sense of, man, I hope, I, I shouldn't have used that word. Uh, wishful thinking, right? I, 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 I think that God is going to fulfill these things. I would really like him to, but I'm not sure about it. It's not that sense of hope and that sense of waiting, but it's a sense of waiting for God to come through because we know he, that he will. I think Psalm 130 is a great example of, of this kind of hope and this kind of waiting on the Lord. Psalm 130, it's a short one, so I'll read the whole thing for you. It says, Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, keep a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord. More than a watchman wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is unfailing love. And with Him is full redemption. He Himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. See that sense of expectation that's in that passage? The sense of hope? It's not, I really think God's going to come through here, but it's God will come through. God is unfailing love. God will redeem His people from their sins. It's this, it's this hope, but, but it's, it's in the promises of God and His Word. That's, that's where we can put our trust. That's more than just wishful thinking. But it's confidence in who God is and what He promises to do for us. And so as we think about this theme of hope and what it means for us, we, we, I realize that hope runs, this idea of hope and who God is and what He will do for His people, it runs throughout the entire Old Testament leading up to the birth of Jesus Christ. See, when God created the world, it was a, it was a perfect world, mar- but, it, but it was marred by sin. And so in Isaiah, the passage, the first passage that Jake read for you this morning, we get this, the, the beginning of this prophecy of what God will do because of the sin in the world. Chapter 9 in Isaiah, verse 2, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You see, that's the beginning of this promise of the hope that God will fulfill in our lives and for His people. One day, God's chosen one, the Messiah, would come and rule forever. That's the expectation and that's the hope. And it's because of what was and what happened throughout Israel's history. As I said, there was a, when God created the world, it was perfect, but it was marred by sin. God created us to be in perfect relationship with Him and with others. But because of the sin that entered the world, those relationships were distorted. Those, and, and sin created this barrier between us and God. And it seemed hopeless. right? It seemed like, like because of that sin, there was this barrier there and we could no longer be in a relationship with God. But from the very beginning, God begins to give His people hope and get, begins to show them that that he had a plan to restore that relationship once again. One of my professors in seminary once tried to, I think he was trying to trick us, but he, he asked us, when is the first announcement of the gospel in the Bible? When is the first proclamation of, of the good news of Jesus Christ? And, you know, all of us, you know, that we thought we knew what we were talking about in seminary, right? We, we said, oh, it must be in Isaiah, right? And we, there's all these prophecies like the one we already looked at of the Messiah coming, and that must be the first announcement of the good news of Jesus Christ. But actually, uh, 
they, he, I learned um, that the first announcement of the good news is all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. The very same chapter that sin enters the world through the decision that Adam and Eve made. We get this promise from God that he will put an end to sin. In chapter 3, verse 15, he's speaking to, uh, to the serpent. He says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. See, there's this promise from the very beginning that sin would be defeated. The enemy will be defeated. And ultimately, he said, it's through her offspring, speaking of Eve, it's through, the, it's through her offspring that this enemy will be defeated. And ultimately, we see that in the person of Jesus Christ. And so we get this glimmer of hope, even right from when sin entered the world, that God had a plan to take care of it. See, Jesus was God's plan from the beginning. He wasn't plan B or plan C. God knew that, that sin would enter the world. God knew that through the choice of Adam and Eve, through the choices that we continue to make today, that, that sin would, would mar his creation. And yet he, he knew that was going to happen, and he planned to provide a way to take care of it. And that promise continues to, to build throughout the Old Testament. We get this promise to Abraham that all nations will one day be blessed through his offspring. Now, what was the problem with Abraham and Sarah? They didn't have any kids, right? They didn't have any offspring for the world to be blessed through. And God obviously worked in their lives in a miraculous way to provide those children so that his, the, that promise could continue. Later on, we have the promise of the Mosaic Covenant. Uh, some hundreds of years later, as God's people were standing at Mount Sinai and receiving the law, there was this promise that God would be with them. Right? If they held up there under the bargain, God would, would promise to, to prosper them and to be with their people. And so they set up this whole sacrificial system of, of a way to take care of the sins and the wrongs of the people. Right? These animals were sacrificed and there was this day of atonement where all of Israel's sins would be wiped out. But that sacrificial system wasn't enough. It didn't fix the sin problem. It was just kind of a patch that was put over top of it. Because, because the people continue to sin, and so they had to continue to sacrifice and continue in that direction. But the sacrificial system was simply a foreshadow of what was to come through Jesus' atoning death on the cross. See, the people, they couldn't uphold their end of the covenant. No matter how hard they tried, no matter what they did, they kept falling short. Right? They kept turning away from God and turning to idols. They kept uh, breaking the commands that God had given them. And so, so while there's a glimmer of hope in the sacrificial system that God was beginning to take care of their sins, it's not complete yet. It wasn't, wasn't what was needed. And so that hope continued. And then later on, after, after God's people over and over again broke that covenant and kept falling short, they ended up in exile. Right? The kingdoms were destroyed. The people were scattered all over the earth. And it seemed like all hope was lost. Right? It seemed like... You know, how is this going to happen, right? God, you promised to take care of our sins. You promised to, to make us a new people and, and bring us together in you. But it seemed like that was never going to happen. But we see during this period the prophet speaking hope and truth into the lives of God's people. And over and over again, the, their message was that God did not forget his people, that God did not forget his promises. And so there's this message of hope that runs throughout the Old Testament that God would completely reverse the effects of sin in the world and bring his people back together. 
See, that's the hope that is running throughout the Old Testament that builds up to the birth of Jesus as described in the beginning of the New Testament. This expectation that God would right all of those wrongs that had been made, that God would, would reverse the effects of sin, and that the enemy and sin and death would finally be defeated, and God's people would be together, and they would have, have that perfect relationship with each other and that perfect relationship with God again. But it seemed like all hope was lost. Right? It didn't seem like there was a way for that to take place. You see, hope doesn't line up with our present reality. See, that's what makes it hope. Because we look at our lives and we think, how could God possibly do anything with this? Right? We look at our world today and think, how could God, how is this the world that God created and God intended for us? Right? We watch the evening news and we hear about wars and, and, and it seems like every week, Jay has another name to share with us. That's not what God intended. That's not how God created this world to be. And so this hope, this expectation, it doesn't line up with, with how our lives currently are. It doesn't line up with our present reality. But that's what makes it, uh, that's why we need to hold on to it. Right? We need to hold on hope against what we see and what we perceive in this world today. That's what makes it hope. Because it's this expectation, it's this trust in God that He will right the wrongs, that He will put things back in order. That even though it looks like all, everything is falling apart around us, we, have that, we can hold on to that trust and that hope that God will come through. Romans 4.18 talks about the hope that Abraham had and the promises that God made. Right? God had made these prom- this promise to Abraham, right? That he would be the father of many nations, that the whole world would be blessed through him. But as we already talked about, right, there, was no ch- there were no children. There was no offspring. But the New Testament over and over again uses Abraham as an example of someone who had faith, who had hope in God's promises. And Romans 4.18 describes it this way. Paul says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so your offspring shall be. Against all hope, Abraham in hope. I think it's such an interesting phrase there because it's a way that Paul was trying to capture what it means to have hope in the Lord and in his promises against all evidence to the contrary. And that's the kind of hope that God wants us to have in Him. That despite the fact that, that this world looks like it's falling apart, despite the fact that we have sin in our lives that continues to creep up over and over again, despite the fact that no matter how hard we try, right, we still fall short of what God expects from us. So it doesn't look like the way it should. God is saying we still have hope in His promises that He will right those wrongs. That if we put our trust in Him and our faith in Him, that He will make those things right. It may not be the way we expect it. It may not be in the timing that we expect it. But the promise is that He will come through. That's the hope that we can have in Him. And that's the hope that we're reminded of at this time of, of the year. You see, in, in Isaiah 9, chapter 9, verse 2, it talked about people walking in darkness and that they've seen a great light. See, we are the people that are walking in darkness. We're walking in darkness because of our sin and the things that 
that, that keep us from that relationship with God like we were intended to do. And so we're walking in darkness and, and we, have a, we have a sin problem, right? We have this, this sin in our lives that keeps us from our relationship with God. And we can't save ourselves no matter how hard we try. Right? We have this mentality sometimes that we want to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, right? And we can fix ourselves. We can save ourselves. But over and over again, the, the message of Scripture is that we can't save ourselves. That it's only through what Jesus Christ has done for us. And we simply need to receive that by faith. That's the light that shines in the darkness. That's the hope that we have and is in what Christ has done for us. John chapter 1 is this great description of of the Word becoming flesh, right? It's this very poetic introduction to, to the Incarnation, which is God becoming like one of us through the person of Jesus Christ. And I realized that, that there's a connection here between the passage we read in Isaiah chapter 9 and this passage in John chapter 1 that, that I, I don't think I really noticed before. Maybe you haven't either. Right? It talks about in Isaiah chapter 9, a light shining in the darkness, Right, This light that has dawned. And here, listen to the first few verses of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that had been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came to witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And that light is Jesus Christ. And that's what we are celebrating at Advent. That hope that while we are walking in darkness, while sin still plagues this world, there is a light that is dawn. There is a light that is shined, and it's the person of Jesus Christ. He has come into the world to... To shine His light so that we can know Him. And it says here in John chapter 1 that the darkness cannot overcome it. And praise God, that's a trust, that's a promise that we have from God. That He will conquer and He will uh, overcome our, our, our sin and our darkness. And we see this hope that runs throughout the Old Testament fulfilled once again in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4-7. through 7. But when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are His sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are His child, God made you also an heir. Some translations talk about the fullness of time. The, this version said that when the set time had fully come. It's the idea that, that at the right moment, at just the right time, God fulfilled all those promises. All those promises and all that hope that was running throughout the Old Testament was finally coming to fruition in the person of Jesus Christ. He was born under the law to redeem those under the law. He became like one of us in order to save us. You see, we were living in that darkness. We were living under our sin and our shame. Excuse me, but God became like one of us in order to save us and rescue us from that. It was the fulfillment of all the hope that was running through the Old Testament. It was the realization of all that God's people had been longing for for all those years. 
And what's the result of this? What's the result of Christ coming and redeeming us? It's so that we may become sons and daughters of God. It's, a re- it's that the relationship with Christ has been restored. That relationship that we had back in the garden, the one that God intended for us to have in the first place, <coughs> excuse me, finally coming back, back into play. Colossians 1.27 says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, that's the promise that we will again be with the Lord and have that relationship restored. We've been adopted into His family. And I think that's such a great description of what it means to become a part of God's family is, is the adoption. You know, God has chosen to make us his sons and daughters. There's a, a, a study I've, I've done at my past church a few times called the Alpha Course. I think I've mentioned it here before. And the pastor in this uh, study um, talked about this idea of adoption into God's family. And he told the story of two children on the playground. And right, one, one was adopted and everybody you know, knew that. And this, this friend at school, this acquaintance, was picking on him for it. Was giving him a hard time. And you know, this just kept going on and on for days and days and days. And finally, this, this child, the one that had been adopted by his family, finally turns to this kid and says, look, I know I'm adopted. My parents chose me. They chose to be a part. They wanted me to be a part of this family. Your parents just got stuck with you. Right? <laughs> but that idea of adoption is, is that God has chosen us to be part of his family. It's not by accident. It's not... You know, some mistake, but God has chosen through Jesus Christ for us to be part of his family. Now, that's a trust, that's hope that we can have in this life. That God has made that available to us. And so hope, it becomes this anchor for our soul. And so we need to trust expectantly in Christ's atoning death on the cross. See, that's, that's what brings meaning to this time of year. At Advent, we celebrate the birth of Christ and His arrival, but we wouldn't be celebrating Advent, we wouldn't be celebrating Christmas without Easter, right? And what Christ has done for us through His death and resurrection. And so we trust expectantly in what Christ has done for us, that He has made the way for us to be part of His family once again. And we need to hold fast to the promises of Scripture. In order to do that, we need to know what the promises are. And so we need to be in His Word, we need to be studying His Word together. So that we can know what God has promised us. So that we can know what hope we have in Him. And we need to live like we believe that they're true. Right? It's not enough just to know the promises. It's not enough to just have some sort of wishful thinking towards them. We need to live and believe that they're true. Live like they're true. Hebrews 6, verse 19 talks about how hope anchors us. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. See, the hope is that God doesn't change. The reason why our hope can be firm and secure is because we trust in a God who is unchanging, who is loving, who is complete, and who has gone all that way in order to redeem us and to save us. That's the hope that we have. And it's, and it's an anchor because it can help us to weather the storms of this life. 
when things aren't going well, when, we're, when our lives are not what, they, what we expect them to be, we can hold fast to the promises that God has made us. When we turn on the evening news and we see the state that this world is in, we can hold fast to the promises that God has made us, that one day He will make all things new. Right When we are reminded again of how we have fallen short of God's glory, how we have sinned in our lives, we can hold fast to the promises that He, had, he has made us into a new creation. And that we are no longer slaves to sin, but we are sons and daughters of God. We can hold fast to those promises. And in, and in doing so, we can weather the storms of this life. We also have hope in what is to come. Advent not, doesn't just look back at what Christ has already done for us, but it also looks forward to what Christ will do for us. And he, when He will set everything straight. You know, one of the... I, I love to read. One of the... I have a lot of memories of staying up late and reading a book, just being so caught up in it and the excitement and the anticipation of what will happen. Um, I just... You know, if I if I find a good book, it's just I sometimes I just can't stop reading, and I'm staying up late and I'm reading the book, and and there's this expectation. Uh, my mom is with us today. Uh, they came in and we spent Thanksgiving here, and and my mom used to drive me crazy because she would she loved to read too. I got that from her, but she would read the last chapter of the book first before she read the book. She would go back read the last chapter so she could know what happened, and then she'd enjoy the book. And she still. See, Loda, and it drives me crazy. I'm like, how can you read the book? Why would you do that? You'd find out the ending before reading the rest of the book. But in a sense, that's what God has done for us. He's made us promises that He will come again. We may not know how it will happen. We may not know when it will happen, but the promise is that He will return and He will set things straight. And so as, as we celebrate what He's already done for us, we can also celebrate what He will do for us through that. And communion is a time for us to do that. We remember and celebrate what Christ has already done for us, but we also look forward and proclaim His death until He comes again. And so as we share in the table this, this morning, uh, we, can, we can remember what Christ has done for us. We can have the hope because of, we, ha- we can have hope in Him because of what He's already done for us, but we can also have hope in our future because of what He will do for us as well. And it's all centered on the person of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us on the cross. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to have hope in you. That our hope isn't just wishful thinking, but it's confidence in your promises and trust that you will fulfill what you promised to us. And Lord, we see that in in what Christ has done for us on the cross. And we are so grateful and thankful for that. In Christ we pray. Amen. Let's stand and in preparation of, of the table. Let's sing, O Come All You Faithful, number 145.
seated. Let's pray and prepare our hearts to receive the Lord's Supper. Father, thank you that you invite us to your table. And so now we, we come to the table trusting and expecting in the promises that you have made to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. That, Lord, through his death on the cross, through his resurrection, you have made us a part of your family. You have adopted us as sons and daughters into your family by grace through faith in you. Lord, we are so grateful for that and so thankful for that. And so we come here this morning with hearts set on you. But Lord, we also realize that there's times that our, our hearts and our minds aren't set on you. That, that we fall short. Lord, that is, that is why you died on the cross. So that you, those sins, those things in our lives that have created a barrier between us and you could be torn down. That through your death and resurrection, you have defeated sin and death and shame. And we can have hope in you. Lord, all you ask is that we be honest with you about the ways that we've fallen short. That we are, that as, as we prepare our hearts and our minds for the table, help us to remember those ways that we've sinned, whether it's been in word, thought, or action. We ask that you bring those, search our hearts and bring those things to mind, and in silence we confess them to you. We have this great promise in your word, Lord, something to put our hope in, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Those helping with communion, come forward. I've received, for I've received for the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. After giving thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. All you have received Jesus as your Lord and Messiah. Take this holy sacrament to your comfort.
broken for you and for all. Feed on them in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was shed for you and for all. A new covenant made in his blood so that our sins would be forgiven. Take and drink, knowing that he died for you. Father, thank you uh, for this reminder of the hope that we have in you. This reminder of what Jesus did for us on the cross. His sacrifice, and, and three days later, Lord, rising again. Lord, it's through faith in your Son that we are saved and redeemed. And we are so grateful that you have made that way for us. I pray now that we would be able to go from this place and live out the hope that you have given us through your Son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen.